Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Great guest later, a great guest now. College football is in the spotlight. Committee rankings due again tonight. LSU over Alabama, Minnesota over Penn State. Exciting matchups with huge TV audiences over the weekend. We have more compelling matchups involving unbeatens this coming Saturday. 9-0 Minnesota has an interesting task at 6-3 Iowa. Clemson, closer to home, hosts 7-2 Wake Forest at Death Valley. Tigers are 10-0. 9-0 Baylor gets to host 8-1 Oklahoma, so the Bears face their toughest test of the season. Here to discuss these things and more, a guy who covers with distinction NASCAR and college football. The former is down to its final four as everyone heads to Homestead. It's the Joe Gibbs racing trio of Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex Jr., plus Kevin Harvick. They're the only four who can win it all. And, of course, the college football scene is trending toward, ultimately, a month from now, deciding its final four. He is the senior writer from ESPN, Ryan McGee. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. What most intrigues you about tonight's round two of the only rankings that matter, those from the college football playoff committee? Well, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see the course correction because, uh, I, you know, I believe the LSU was the number one team in the country last week. Uh, and I certainly think there's no reason to believe they are not the number one team in the country this week. Uh, I honestly don't know what the room was doing a week ago. And it, listen, it, I understand it doesn't matter. If, as long as you make the top four, that's the goal. But to me, I'm really curious to see what they do with LSU, who has far and away the best resume in the country and, and did before they went to Tuscaloosa on Saturday and did what they did. And, and Ohio State, who is not even – I don't even think in LSU's universe, not resume-wise. They have talent. There's a question about that. But but them being number one last week, I think, was a, a head-scratcher for a lot of people, except for Ohio State fans who all hate me anyway. So I'm just <laughs> adding to that. In terms of what matters and what does not matter, as a starting point, can we agree that any of the five unbeatens that goes all the way to a 13-0 Power 5 conference title, even if your name is Minnesota and Baylor, who's, you know, uh, resumes are second guessed by many right now. Are, are you okay in assuming any of those five as a 13 to no power five champ is in? I think Baylor would have an issue. Um, I think that Minnesota, because of what they just did and what they have still sitting in front of them, I think would have a pretty good argument. The, the problem Baylor is always going to have, and this goes back to the very first year of the college football playoff is you have to at least attempt to play someone outside of your conference. And they have, they have stuck to no matter who the athletic director was, no matter who – and, and they, the AD who, who built these schedules is at liberty now. Yeah. And no matter, no matter who, what, what the AD is, the coach is, whatever, they're playing Lamar and Stephen F. Austin, and uh, they, they play at least one Texas school per year I've never heard of. <laughs> and so at, at some point, you have to take a lesson, and I cannot believe they didn't learn it. Uh, from that first year or when they were left out, is you have to play, attempt to play someone. I, I had this conversation with Bill Hancock, the executive director of the playoff, which is when you're in the room, you know, does your intent to schedule at least matter a little bit? And he says at least a little bit. You know, so like if you schedule a Maryland, you know, when they've got Ralph Friedgen and they're really good, but yeah. you schedule them for 10 years later and, and you know, no one knew that – so-and-so wouldn't be that good this year. At least you attempted to try to play someone. It wasn't your fault if they weren't very good, but Baylor's not even trying. Baylor right now, of course, does not have a resume that will get uh, into the top four, maybe not even close to the top four. 
but they still have eight and one Oklahoma this weekend. They still have six and three Texas, and then they would have a Big Twelve title game, assumedly against a pretty good opponent. They have beaten six and three Oklahoma State. They have beaten six and three Kansas State. They have beaten an Iowa State team that's been in the top twenty-five quite a bit. Uh, and maybe the resume ends there. But uh, what would you picture? What one loss resume would be that a hypothetical threat to a thirteen and zero Big Twelve champion Baylor? I think if you're Alabama and your only loss is to the number one team in the country and you were down 20 points at the half and you still almost came back and won the football game, there are too many coaches in the room who understand what that took. And and the fact that you have Tua Tungvaloa who wasn't at 100% on Saturday and, and, and you, know, you would guess might be at the end of the season um, I think they have a chance. And, yes, that will make a lot of people around the country very angry. But also, you know, listen, I think the Pac-12 champion has a case now. You know, if you have two top ten teams with one loss each playing in a Pac-12 championship game, even though there might be 6,000 people there, um, you know, you have a case. If you're Oregon and your only loss was a neutral site loss to Auburn, yeah. who is a top ten team, in my opinion, they just have a brutal schedule, then uh, I think you've got a really good case. And Utah is a team that I wrote about earlier. This the McGee curse, right? I wrote about Utah. I wrote about Georgia. I wrote about Appalachian State, and they all lost their games like the next day. <laughs> but, uh, but but Utah, I think if your only loss is to USC in the Coliseum and then you defeat a top-10 Oregon team in the Pac-12 championship game, you got a pretty good argument. So I, I think the Pac-12 team still got a chance to sneak in there. Ryan McGee, ESPN senior writer. He's on Twitter, at ESPN McGee. Catch him, of course, as well on Marty and McGee on the SEC Network and ESPN Radio. Check out his hashtag bottom 10 rankings in college football each week as well. When I think of the Georgia Bulldogs, I think of impressive wins, right? Florida and Notre Dame and maybe even some others. But then when one-loss resumes end up being spliced, the Bulldogs won – will be to a probable non-bowl version of the South Carolina Gamecocks. Is that impossible to overcome as Georgia is 8-1? and one, But remember, they can improve because they go to Auburn. They'd have to deal with Texas A&M. And then an SEC title game. I mean, what if they beat LSU in the SEC title game? That would be a heck of a 12-1 and one SEC championship. Yeah. No, I, I think I think they absolutely have a chance. And, and uh, listen – the SEC champion goes to playoff, and I don't think there's I don't I don't know that it even matters one loss two losses whatever. And again, that will anger the rest of the nation. Um, it certainly will anger Tobacco Road. But but at the end of the day, um, you know the conference is what it is, and uh, and I think the champion of that conference goes to the playoff. And that's not an official rule. There's nothing on the books that says that. But that selection committee has never done anything, no matter who's in that room over the course of a half a decade now, to make us believe that they wouldn't just plug that SEC champion in there. But but they've never added a two-loss team to the playoff, ever. They never have. Yeah. No, they never have. But but I think, it, 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 but again, it, you know, all the things, I've, all the pr- nice things I've said about the Pac-12, um, they're still an easy group to leave out. And all the nice things that, that we've said about, you know, potentially Baylor, that's still an easy group to leave out or, or, or the Big 12 champion. So um, the, the, the door might be open there. I don't think they would – I think they would seriously, seriously, seriously consider it if it was uh, if it was an LSU or a Georgia sitting there with uh, with two losses and an SEC champion. 
Ryan McGee joining us on the David Glenn Show. LSU and Ohio State have easier matchups at this uh, this weekend. It's LSU at Ole Miss. It's Ohio State visiting lowly Rutgers. Baylor hosting Oklahoma. Clemson hosting 7-2 Wake Forest. Minnesota at 6-3 Iowa. At least worth watching as uh, potential upsets in some cases, extreme long shots, I would think, in the case of, say, the Demon Deacons heading to Death Valley. For those who hadn't seen it, Sage Surratt, the phenomenal wide receiver for the Demon Deacons, was declared out for the year a little bit earlier today. Shifting to another area of your expertise, shifting. Did you get that there, Vaughn? Shift- oh, yeah. No, you, uh, that's, uh, you, I, I expect nothing <laughs> less of you, DJ. Shifting to NASCAR, uh, they are already down to their final four in that sport. Do you like this playoff format, as I think Kyle Busch was the most recent to tell us, that he likes how it both values the regular season without overvaluing the regular season? And then what do you make of this final four, man? What a year for Joe Gibbs racing. Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex Jr. Joe Gibbs has three quarters of the final four, uh, and then Kevin Harvick is uh, the fourth. Denny Hamlin, the only one of those four who has never won it all. Yeah, and, and Denny Hamlin, uh, you know, who, who just won, but also won the Daytona 500. I think he's equal, if not best, at his, his single-season win total in his career. It's a Hall of Fame career, whether he wins the championship or not. And, uh, you know, I'm at that age now where I've covered these guys since they were like 19. And so when well, we're talking about these guys late in their career, it just makes me feel even older than I already – my knees already <laughs> feel. But, but I like the format a lot. And – and when they rolled that thing out there, I was very skeptical. I remember back in the, the NASCAR media days when they first rolled out this idea of this Final Four, we all kind of rolled our eyes. And, you know, Pete Pistone, my esteemed colleague, you know, that I've worked with for years, and he's a Sirius XM and, and MRN Radio. And I'm sitting with Pete, and I circled. I wrote down Kyle Busch's name on my notebook, and I circled it. And I just passed him a note during a press conference because, to me, that that really was really set up for Kyle Busch. And, and uh, to me – you know, listen, I covered so many seasons when – and I'm a Rockingham guy. And Rockingham would be like second or third race from the end of the year. And Rockingham holds the record for most Winston Cup championships clinched with like two or three races to go in the season. Or they clinch, you know, they, they clinch in all these places. And, or and, and even mathematically, we would already know in September that Jeff Gordon was going to be the champion. Yeah. And so the last eight, nine races of the year, we're just running out the string. So – People can call it manufacture all they want, but the reality is there is a an intensity level to every race, and this goes all the way into the middle of the summer during the regular season, that just did not exist the first half of my career on the road. So I'm all for it. And, and these are the four best drivers. These are the four guys who should be competing for the title. And uh, my money is, uh, is on Martin Truex Jr. because uh, – and this is the guy whose career was done in the middle of a terrible controversy – and now he's got a chance to be a two-time champion, and, and I have no problem with that whatsoever. Last thing for you, I don't think it's central to your job description to follow you know, TV numbers, but you certainly you know, are an observer of such things. It feels like, in part because LSU Alabama, with an average of 17 million viewers, yeah. second highest rated regular season college football game in the last eight years, and you might have seen the college football package on CBS is up almost 40% from last year, the highest in early November since 1990. It yeah. feels like one of the two biggest sports you cover is on, still on an upswing TV-wise, and the other, NASCAR, has mostly continued a downswing here in 2019. Is that accurate? 
No, it is accurate, and I think that part of the problem is the fact that, you know, I, I don't think that the numbers on one side and the numbers on the other side, I don't think those are those are, should be separated because I, I have always believed, and people at NASCAR, when I worked at NASCAR, I used to argue about this, the season should have ended two months ago. And, you know, it's insane to be going head-to-head on Saturday afternoons for your championship with the NFL. And on Saturdays, uh, you know, Saturday night against college football. They have two night races on a Saturday night during the 10-race playoff. It's crazy. I just don't – you know, Labor Day weekend, which is one of my favorite events, sporting events in the world, is the Southern 500 in Darlington. I can't go anymore yeah. because that's, that's week one for college football. So I just – I have always maintained that, listen, back in the day, you had the longest season in professional sports this side of golf for a reason because they were afraid if they went away, people would forget about them. It's the opposite now, you know. Alabama draws 65,000 people to the spring football game because they're, they're, they're starving for it. Yeah. The NFL draft is a huge deal because they're starving for it. NASCAR never goes away. And I think that's, there's an oversaturation there that if they went away in the middle of September when football was getting going, um, you know, make the people hungry and then come back in February and give them something to eat. Good stuff, Ryan McGee. We try to leave our statewide audience hungry in between your visits. We're always looking for more Ryan McGee. Thanks for the time on NASCAR and college football. Keep up the good work. We'll, uh, we'll call on you again just as soon as the statewide appetite justifies it. All right, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Jordan Rodriguez on the NFL and the Panthers. She does great work for the Athletic Carolina. Question of the day for football fans. What are the Panthers' biggest shortcomings right now? Compared to the two teams, you may have seen slug it out on Monday Night Football. Man, Seahawks and the Niners both looked really good and hard to beat. 27-24 Seattle over San Fran. The Seahawks are now 8-2, led by the MVP candidate Russell Wilson. The Niners are still 8-1, remember. No more unbeatens in the NFL. They're likely to be two of the six NFC playoff teams. Compared to them, what are the Panthers' biggest shortcomings? And can those things get better enough down the stretch so that the Panthers can become a postseason squad as well. Your qual- your questions or answers to that question at 1-800-849-2761. I gave you my thoughts on the Don Cherry story. Is it an unnecessary bow to political correctness or a necessary result that he was fired in that fight against, in this case, anti-immigrant bigotry north of the border? We have plenty of that here in the United States as well. Cherry was fired after spending decades as the iconic Canadian hockey commentator. He is unapologetic. He is 85 years old. He is also unemployed as we speak. You can chime in on political correctness versus necessary result, 1-800-849-2761. Steve wants in on college football. We watched the Canes blast Ottawa last night and get back on the winning track. Kawhi Leonard with the Clippers beat his old team, the Raptors, last night and has his new team among the favorites in the NBA. Meanwhile, in college basketball on the court, Duke is back in action tonight hosting Central Arkansas. What does Coach K need to see develop for him to have another national championship contender? I'll offer my two cents, and we'll welcome yours. Meanwhile, Memphis is both on the court and in the courts. The Tigers play Oregon in a matchup of top 25 teams on national TV tonight, 9 o'clock ESPN. Their star center, James Wiseman, who's going to be a high NBA lottery pick this coming year, is in uniform and expected to play as the NCAA in Memphis continue a stare down, unlike most of what I've seen in my 30-plus years covering such things. Given my legal background, and I've written a lot about compliance issues, I've been able to help you foresee 
you know, the Miami thing was not going to result in the death penalty just because Nevin Shapiro had football players on his yacht. Uh, the Carolina thing, while smelly and rotten, the AFAM scandal, was not a great fit for NCAA rules. So that probably as 90% of the world was telling you how the Tar Heels were going to get hammered for those indiscretions. Guys like Jay Billis and I, not mere coincidence, we both have legal backgrounds, were telling you, no, it wasn't that simple. And the Tar Heels had a road to get off the hook. And indeed, they didn't end up with any sanctions whatsoever. I have not often seen much like this Memphis versus the NCAA showdown. James Wiseman was in a standard overview declared eligible by the NCAA this past spring. Memphis put out a release earlier this week suggesting that some kind of information needed further exploration. And when the NCAA and Memphis went through that supplemental process together, it became clear that James Wiseman's amateur status was in jeopardy. Why? His current Memphis coach, Penny Hardaway, prior to becoming the Memphis coach, gave James Wiseman's family $11,000 plus worth of value as the family moved to the city of Memphis. So now Penny Hardaway is the Memphis head coach. Of course, he's a former Memphis star player as well. The NCAA made clear to Memphis, this James Wiseman guy is likely ineligible. Memphis is playing him anyway. And a third party, on behalf of the Wisemans, got a temporary restraining order while suing both the NCAA and Memphis as defendants. So what do you do if you're the school? Well, I don't often see university presidents essentially flip the bird at the NCAA and say, we dare you to come get us. But that is essentially what is in play as James Wiseman continues to suit up for the Memphis Tigers. 1-800-849-2761. More on that crazy story. NFL, college football, college hoops, and more. 1-800-849-2761. If you want back in on the Panthers or the Don Cherry questions, you can dial us up right now. 1-800-849-2761. Great guests later. More of your calls next on The David Glenn Show. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are in between guests, Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic on the NFL and the Panthers later this hour. One of our questions of the day is what are the Panthers' biggest shortcomings as we speak compared to those two heavyweights we saw go at it on Monday Night Football? Seattle over San Fran in overtime. They certainly appear to be playoff bound, as their records indicate. Seahawks 8-2, Niners 8-1. What are the Panthers' biggest shortcomings compared to teams like that? And can those things get better enough down the stretch to make the Panthers now 5-4 and four, a playoff team as well? Madden Greensboro wants in on that. Todd writes on Twitter, at David Glenn Show, as we come back to your calls. Steve wants in on college football. Todd writes, DG, what happened with Don Cherry is political correctness. What Cherry said wasn't appropriate, but firing him was too much in my opinion. Everyone is too quick to say someone should be fired these days. Well, that's a different question entirely, but... In Cherry's case, rather than speaking more generally, are people too quick to get fired or want to fire people now? It's not hard to just clean up what Don Cherry did wrong. 
it's really not hard for anybody to clean this up in their own life, at home, personally, or at work, or otherwise. There is absolutely nothing wrong with Don Cherry having the opinion that he thinks more Canadians should wear more poppy pins, or even more generally, that more Canadians should want to celebrate fallen soldiers. There, I would not say any one iota about any American who said, you know what, there are some Americans that just don't appreciate what Veterans Day is all about. There are some Americans that take too many things for granted and don't understand what Memorial Day is all about. And, and you could argue against that person. And I would defend both sides at opposite ends of that opinion spectrum. Instead of just leaving it there, Don Cherry would have nothing to apologize for. I wish more people wore more poppy pins. I wish more people, distracted by the day-to-day -day grind, had more respect for those who serve our country in the military right now or who died serving our country in the past. He could have said any of those things, and it would have been no problem at all, even if people were like, well, Don Cherry, don't you tell me how I'm supposed to think. I mean, that's how a free society goes, right? Don Cherry has alienated people on a thousand different topics. None of those opinions would have gotten him fired. What did he have to do? He had to single out immigrants. And how did he do it? Because he assumed he knew who was an immigrant and who was not an immigrant by looking at them. That is patent bigotry, folks. You just have to stop it. It was not hard at all. Don Cherry could have poured out of his heart his passion for poppy pins and celebrating fallen soldiers. And it would have just been another day in a long and illustrious broadcasting career. Once you start demeaning or degrading any group, rather than go, you, if you meet an immigrant and he or she says, ah, I'm done with this Remembrance Day stuff, doesn't matter that they're an immigrant. Don Cherry could still go after that person. I'm not wearing a poppy pin. Don could criticize him or her. Well, why aren't you? And then if, if a person happens to be an immigrant, they can have that debate. Whatever. Don Cherry is making assumptions based on his own ignorance based on the concept that I can see who's good and who's bad by looking at you. We have to stop that. It's insane. We live, we live in a country, we're looking at it this way. If you are a person of color and you assume that all police are bad, you are guilty of the same types of prejudice that you're complaining about. In other words, some cops are bad. But if you ever get to the point where you're, hey, you know, pig socks and that insane stuff, right? Some cops are bad. Some cops assume bad things about you or your child because he or she is a person of color. And that is patent prejudice and racist. It's unconstitutional. It's unlawful. And it's despicable. And yes, some cops do that. The data is overflowing that that does happen. But what are you doing if you're assuming all cops are bad because some are bad? You are guilty of a different version of the same type of thing. They are illegally assuming you're dangerous because of the color of your skin. Not because they've dealt with you personally a hundred times. Again, that's not racist, right? If a cop has dealt with a criminal enough times, I know who you are. I know what you've done. I know I've got watched you personally because I've seen you work your way through the court system. That's not racist. That's not prejudice. I know who you are based on your words and actions. When you make assumptions because somebody is a member of a group, they're often false assumptions. Treat 
individual people as individual people. Don't lump all immigrants, all blacks, all cops, all whites, all Southerners, all Northerners, all Canadians. Just don't do it. It's really not that hard. There's a famous book, All I Ever Needed to Learn in Life I Learned in Kindergarten. And this is on that list, folks. It's really not hard. Don't assume bad things about an individual human being because that human being happens to be a member of a group that you may have false assumptions or ignorant feelings toward. Don't do it. Treat a person like a person, regardless of which demographic boxes they check. That's where Don Cherry went wrong, not by being opinionated, not by being pro-military, not by being curious as to why not everybody honors fallen soldiers the way he does. You should be opinionated about such things if you're passionate about it. I applaud Don Cherry for standing up for military members. I can't applaud Don Cherry, and if he worked for my company, I'd have fired him on the spot. You got to stop this stuff, man. You just have to stop it. It fans the flames of bigotry when you lump, in his case, immigrants into a group. You do a scientific poll about who's pro-poppy and who's anti-poppy? No. He made false, ignorant assumptions, just the way many Americans do every single day in our country. False assumptions. Oh, you're an immigrant, so I'm, I'm going to treat you this way. Or you're a different color than I am, so I'm going to say go back to your country, even though you might be as American as I am. That's outrageous stuff, folks. If you don't like being called a bigot or a racist, don't be a bigot or a racist. That's the bottom line. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Let me go to... Jordan Rodriguez on the other side. She covers the Panthers and the NFL for the Athletic Carolina. You can follow her on Twitter, at Jordan Rodriguez. Where do the Panthers go from here? Can they build a playoff-worthy resume at 5-4 and four against a schedule that includes some lightweights, perhaps, but also tough games like a visit from the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson about a month from now in Charlotte? Jordan Rodriguez on all things NFL, next on the David Glenn Show. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Blue You and Agriculture You. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. back in on the Memphis NCAA stare down. Others on Don Cherry's dismissal as the iconic Canadian hockey commentator after some anti-immigrant comments over the weekend that was. He was fired after our show yesterday as we played best and worst of the weekend. College football's committee rankings are out again tonight. I expect the order of the unbeatens to be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Minnesota, and Baylor, but they will not be, I guarantee, one, two, three, four, five. Long way to go, of course. Virtually everybody has at least an intriguing hurdle. Nobody's going to be an underdog, per se, at the very top of the rankings, LSU and Ohio State and Clemson, 
will be favored in every game they play the rest of the way. Not as much for Minnesota and Baylor as they face some huge hurdles, including Baylor against 8-1 Oklahoma this Saturday. Minnesota visiting 6-3 and Iowa this Saturday as well. Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic is going to drop by to talk the NFL with us. We welcome your phone calls on the Don Cherry question of the day, on the Carolina Panthers question of the day, and on the James Wiseman Memphis showdown with the NCAA. Duke back on the court tonight as well. At 9 o'clock, it'll be Memphis against Oregon in a battle of top 25 college basketball teams, ESPN proper. And Duke at 7 o'clock hosts Central Arkansas. I threw out a little trivia question to start the show. There would be almost no reason to discuss Duke's opponent tonight in college hoops. It's way more, for our purposes especially, about Coach K and, as I would frame it, how many guys are really ready to be high-level players, like all ACC candidates, around the sophomore point guard Trey Jones. Would I want a guy with that defensive ability, with those leadership skills, with that passing ability, with that distribution mindset to lead my team? Yes, I would. Trey Jones is a rock of stability. And one of the reasons you see Duke and Carolina and UVA and Louisville in the, the current top 10 and the most were in the preseason top 10, they have a rock or two back. You don't win national championships with just a rock to build around. And at Duke, the early indications are that maybe, still early, two games in, Cassius Stanley on the wing could become one of those type guys even as a freshman. I think everybody knows by now, not only is there no Zion Williamson type figure on this Duke roster as an incoming superstar freshman, there's also no R.J. Barrett. They were all American caliber players, not just all ACC caliber players. They were two, Zion was the national player of the year, but they were two of the top 10 players in college basketball. Coach K doesn't have that this year. So how many, Matthew Hurt, Vernon Carey, two big guys, is it Cassius Stanley building on his great start? Is it somebody else? Is it one of the veterans? How many of those guys are ready to play at a really high level as they surround a sophomore point guard who's going to be on the court for a whole lot of minutes all season long? It is mostly about the Devils tonight, of course, as they will beat Central Arkansas. There is probably only one sports figure in the history of Central Arkansas as an institution whose name would hit the radar of virtually every member of this listening audience. Like, there, would, would Central Arkansas ever give us reason to discuss Central Arkansas as they visit Duke tonight, except for one of the great Robins in the history of the sport of basketball? Batman, Robin, you know, the whole sidekick thing. There is a famous Robin who was so great as a Robin, and he is a product of Central Arkansas, that he ended up winning a whole bunch of NBA titles and ended up being considered one of the great players in NBA history, even though he will forever be known as the sidekick to perhaps the greatest player in NBA history. That guy, a product of Central Arkansas, I know of no other reason ever other than them visiting Duke tonight to mention the name of that university. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Vernon's in Hoboken and has college basketball on his mind. That gives us a good reason to jump to his phone call. Go right ahead, Vernon. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. You, David, you know how much I appreciate you taking my call. Sure. And I think I can make this pretty quick today. Okay. I think, you know, my concern is for the athlete. Right. And I read a USA Today article that said this may change athletics in college forever, and it's because 
the athlete gets overlooked. But let me just say this. I have two questions for the NCAA. Same one they ask government officials. What did you know and when did you know it? And the second one, what should you have known? And you may not know, but when this kid transferred his junior year, there was a lawsuit filed. Okay? So that's public record. The NCAA should have known that. Okay? If they didn't. And what their lawyers are saying. Well, the lawsuit was about him being eligible for his high school a couple years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what the lawyers are saying this information, all of it, was available to the NCAA, every bit of it, okay? Well, I'm not sure about that, though, because Vernon Memphis put out a statement this week saying that after a standard eligibility review, uh, James Wiseman was declared eligible in May of this year. But the same statement from Memphis, this is from the university itself that just came out within the last couple of days. However, based on information that necessitated a deeper investigation, the university began to work alongside the NCAA in investigating the matter. So that means something became available that required a deeper investigation than the initial rubber stamp in May. So you may be making a false assumption about everything being available when the NCAA declared him eligible in May. Even according to Memphis, something necessitated a deeper investigation. And for those who don't know, the current Memphis coach, Penny Hardaway, provided the Wiseman family with $11,500 in moving expenses when the Wiseman family was relocating to Memphis a couple years ago. Uh, People ask, does it matter that young James Wiseman didn't even know that Penny Hardaway was giving that money for his family to move? No, it does not matter. Ignorance by the player is not a defense. Um, Does it matter that uh, Penny Hardaway was not yet the Memphis coach at the time he gave this money? No, because they're treating Penny as a Memphis booster. That jeopardy- you take money from a booster, it jeopardizes your eligibility. Now, at the time, nobody could have been sure. Heck, Darren, your guy, Tubby Smith, was the head coach at Memphis back when James Wiseman moved to the city of Memphis as a high school athlete. So nobody knew right then as Penny is lending the family that money, Penny is going to be the Memphis head coach two years later. So there's a lot of moving parts to this. The most fascinating part to me is that the NCAA told Memphis this guy's probably ineligible, and Memphis is playing him anyway. And that, remember, people ask, well, what can the NCAA do? Well, they could sanction this team. They could prevent them later from going to the NCAA tournament. They could take scholarships away. They could take recruiting visits away. I don't think it's wise to defy the NCAA unless you have a really good argument that could win in the court of law. And I'm not sure if Memphis has a great argument here. And I think Memphis is setting itself up for um, ugly sanctions, maybe even sanctions that include this team and this player. Okay. Yeah, it's complicated, Vern, and I, I, I'm well, not sure what else to tell you. It's, I, I just, see the lack of fairness argument here, but NCAA rules are pretty clear about being careful what you or your family take when you're a recruitable student-athlete. Keep in mind that even if James Wiseman, a lot of people don't realize, if James Wiseman was at a different school, is it slightly different? Well, yeah, the guy who gave him the money is not his coach, but that doesn't mean he's clear. If you took $11,500 from any booster of any school, you're jeopardizing your amateur status. 
Now, that doesn't mean it'd be less complicated if he were elsewhere. Yes, it would be less complicated if he were elsewhere. But there are still penalties for, for a family taking $11,500. You are jeopardizing the young person's amateur status when you take that money. Now, might it mean like a 10-game suspension rather than the guy never gets to play college basketball? That could happen. Penalties are more severe depending on the value of what you took, right? But it doesn't matter if the young man himself didn't know. In most cases, these things are done without the knowledge of the player. In fact, and of course, the NCAA would never be able to make these things stick if they had to show who knew what and exactly when they knew what. In this case, Memphis, by the time it chose to play James Wiseman, clearly was on alert that their star center was viewed as likely ineligible by the NCAA, and that's what makes it such a rare case of a, uni a member university defying the NCAA and essentially daring them to come back with sanctions at some point down the road. Ryan McGee in the books, Jordan Rodriguez on the way. Our friend Hayes Permar is going to drop by in about 45 minutes. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. I don't want those damn dookies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hate. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by a hundred. You're in fantasy land if you ever think NC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. One quick follow-up on the Don Cherry question. Also, the Panthers and the playoffs. Seattle and San Fran certainly looked like playoff-bound teams, even as the Seahawks handed the Niners their first loss. What are the Panthers' biggest shortcomings right now compared to those NFC leaders? And can those shortcomings get better enough down the stretch that the Panthers can make the postseason as well? We'll ask Jordan Rodriguez that question when she joins us from The Athletic Carolina in about 10 minutes. Our good friend Hayes Permar is going to drop by in about 45 minutes. You can chime in on the NFL, Don Cherry, college football, committee rankings, college basketball, and other headlines of the day. Quickly on the NBA, the day after Kawhi Leonard played for his new team, the L.A. Clippers, and without even playing all that well, led his new team, the Clippers, to a victory over his former team, the Toronto Raptors. As usual, Kawhi's team ends up winning the game. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Bucks, among those out of the gate most quickly in the NBA. The day after that win for L.A. over Toronto, Kawhi found out that Paul George, his Robin, will be back soon from his start to the season of course complicated by injury he will be back to make the quality clippers team even better moving forward 1-800-849-2761 the robin i was describing earlier the only player probably worthy of your memory ever from central arkansas in any sport scotty pippen was the answer to that trivia question. It's Central Arkansas, the 2019 edition, visiting the Duke Blue Devils tonight in a college basketball matchup on the ACC network. I gave you my thoughts about the Duke, the Blue Devils and where they need to go or evolve to get where they want to go. That opponent, Central Arkansas, did produce among, I have no idea how many other notable athletes, that Scottie Pippen guy who helped Michael Jordan win those six NBA titles with the Chicago Bulls. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. The quick follow-up on Don Cherry. When you feel the urge, or if you do feel the urge to use the phrase, you people, you might want to just pause and make sure that whatever comes next is what you really intend it to be. 
Because Don Cherry, if you missed his rant, you know, blaming immigrants, assuming some people are immigrants and saying they don't support the troops enough and they don't buy enough poppy pins in honor of Remembrance Day north of the border, it was filled with you peoples. And you can still say you people if, I don't know, you walk into a room and it's maybe your classroom and you actually know all 20 kids in that room and maybe they were causing a lot of noise when you were out in the hallway talking to the principal. You people have to learn how to calm down when the teacher steps out of the room. You see, you know all of those people. You personally are familiar with all of those people. Darren, it's you and intern Sam, intern Will. If I came in and said, you people need to show up on time at the big tailgate tour. I am not speaking about a demographic category, right? I am not making a blanket statement about blacks or whites or Latinos. I'm not making a blanket statement about where, what country you're from, your gender, your LGBT status. I'm just saying you people, my big tailgate tour staff. See, I know you personally. I'm allowed to say that. But a red flag of warning should go up every time you feel like you want to start, especially on a sensitive topic, the you people. Then you end up being the fired Don Cherry because without even knowing who's an immigrant and who's not, I don't believe a Kodak moment can tell you who is and who isn't, Don. That's part of the problem. And then you start down your you people path anyway. Yes, in today's world, in Canada or the United States, when you start going you people into classes of people in a racist or sexist or xenophobic or anti-immigrant or homophobic type way, yes, yes, you probably will get fired from your job. And no, the First Amendment in most cases is not going to save you. 1-800-849-2761. That free you people piece of legal advice, no charge to the statewide listeners here at the David Glenn Show. Anytime you can take advantage of my 17 years as a practicing attorney at no cost to you directly, I am in favor of that, especially if I can prevent you from getting fired from your job. 1-800-849-2761. Just make your point, whatever it is. Again, Don Cherry could have been adamantly pro-troops he could have been adamantly pro-poppy pins he could have been the biggest supporter of Canada's Remembrance Day in the history of hockey commentators nothing at all remotely controversial or negative about any of that you're allowed to have your opinion when you go you people and you're circling people because what of what demographic boxes they're checking you are heading into dangerous territory, and yes, whether you're a sports broadcaster or a waiter or a waitress or a school teacher or something else, in a whole lot of contexts, you go you people, you get fired. 1-800-849-2761. And yes, I think that is the way it should be if your violation is of the racist, sexist, xenophobic, homophobic, bigoted-type nature. 1-800-849-2761. Jordan Rodrigue covers the Panthers in the NFL for The Athletic Carolina. They are not dead yet at 5-4 and four after the close loss in Green Bay. They need to tweak some things to make a, a run here in the latter part of the second half of the regular season. Our friend Hayes Permar is going to drop by. He is... The guru-like leader at Sports Channel 8. Did you know Disney Plus's streaming service launched today? And Hayes has been busy collecting ideas 
for hypothetical UNC plus, Duke plus, ECU plus, App State plus, NC State plus, or related services. Some fun with Hayes in 35 minutes. Some NFL with Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic Carolina. Check out my Dabo Sweeney one-on-one -on -one at that website this week. I'll have one with Dave Clawson of Wake as well. We're back with Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic next on The David Glenn Show. The great difference between sport and capital E entertainment and capital S sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.